What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. So this was going to be a mailbag-only episode. Um, that thing I mentioned last podcast was going to do one either uh, you know, Sunday night or just uh, Tuesday. Um, but we'll push that to Thursday because... Um, we had some big news come out uh, today. Um, you know, knew this was coming early in the week. You know, wasn't exactly sure Monday or Tuesday. And uh, happens, comes out on Monday that uh, Dave Petrumala will, in fact, be the defensive coordinator for Syracuse. Um, yes, that sounds just as weird, at, you know, saying it as I'm sure it does. Um, to y'all hearing it, um, and, and and even though this is something that's been rumored and has kind of been known um, to be in the works since you know over, a little over a week, um, you know last Sunday is when Gary Gate we reports first surfaced of him taking the job there at Syracuse. Uh, was it Tuesday that he was officially introduced? As the head coach, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, um, you know, ever since then, you know, since last Sunday, um, we've had reports. We've had, I don't want to say reports, we've had, you know, there's been chatter. Um, there's been some discussion around, hey, Dave Petramala is coming to Syracuse. Um, and it, it, it's official, should be announced. Um, Inside Lacrosse first reported it on Monday afternoon, should be announced by Syracuse. Uh, probably uh, tomorrow. So uh, if you listen to this, you know, Tuesday night, it could have already happened. You know, it might be Wednesday, but uh, certainly going to be officially announced uh, sooner um, rather than later here early in the week. Now, when you look at this staff, that Gary Gate has put together. Um, no, I was talking to someone today. Uh, you know, is there a better, you know, one-two duo, um, uh, you know, coaching-wise, in not only in lacrosse but just in sports in general that you can think of um, better than Gary Gate, Dave Petramala? I mean, Gary Gate, one of the greatest of all time. Dave Petramala, one of the greatest of all time. I mean, th- this is a coaching staff. And then you have Pat March, one of the brightest uh, young lacrosse offensive minds in the game. I mean, this is a staff that I think is going to have a lot of success. Now, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about Petro past couple days. And, you know, kind of the consensus is like, you know, there's going to have to be some things that change, um, you know, Take of that what you will um, at Syracuse because obviously things weren't working um, when you know he left Hopkins. Um, you know led to his departure there, or contributed to his departure there uh, as they parted ways just last year, um, last April. So um, certainly we're going to see some changes maybe defensively uh, from him to make more adapt to this new age game, uh, this shot clock era game. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, 
and imagine getting a call from Gary Gate and Dave Petramala and saying no. I mean, that's two two of the heavyweights right there in our game. So th- this is a tr- this is a you know it- it's going to be weird seeing <laughs> Petro and Syracuse Orange, um, but I you know you know. We'll see how it works out. I, I honestly think it's going to be a pretty, pretty good hire. Um, it's it's a pretty impressive staff, as I mentioned. So we'll see how this works out. Now, um, the one kind of elephant in the room is what do the Petrumala twins do? Um, you know, both committed to Carolina at the moment, Dom and Nicholas. Um, Dom is the number two player. In the country, uh, put inside lacrosse. You know, do they both flip to Syracuse now? Um, I would imagine that's free tuition. Um, most schools are for coaches, um, no matter if it's public or private outside of Ivy. Um, so, you know, do they now flip to Syracuse from Carolina? And if so, that gives Syracuse an even bigger, even better recruiting class than they already have in 2022. You've already got Joey Spolina committed. Now you get Don Petromala. You get the number one and number two players in the country. Nick Petromala uh, is a very good defenseman. Obviously, he had uh, some injury problems last year in 2020. Uh, didn't play at all. Um I think he played it all until I think he was off for almost an entire year, if I'm not mistaken, calendar year uh, of playing due to injury uh, that he suffered. I want to say January, December of twenty, uh, December twenty nineteen, January twenty twenty, somewhere around there. Um, so he's back, and you know they contributed very heavily, both of them, to uh, boys Latin and helping to lead them to a. Uh, MIAAA conference title. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things turn out there with the uh, Petromala boys if they do indeed follow their dad to Syracuse or if they stay steady with their commitment to play for uh, Joe Brushy and the Tar Heels. Um, you know, either way, going to be an exciting, exciting uh, time at Syracuse to see how things turn out there with Petro and Gate running the show. Um, again, that just sounds so weird to say. <laughs> um, moving on to some transfer portal stuff. Um, I'll get to the one that happened today. So uh, Sean Lowy, uh, Penn Attackman, uh, will be heading to Duke for his fifth Season of college lacrosse. Um, it was an honorable mention, All American in 2020. Uh, led them with 30 points that year. Uh, obviously, the shortened season um, during the shortened 2020 season. Um, he had four assists in the one game in 2021. If you remember, Penn played Cabrini uh, in late April. Um, the one game, one twenty-three to nine. He had four assists in that one. 
you know, prior uh, to that 2020 season. He was a top five uh, point getter for Penn um, in 2019 during that uh, 2019 season where they made that run to the NCAA quarterfinals, uh, had a hat trick and an assist in that uh, overtime loss against Yale uh, in the quarterfinals, uh, which I think I said it last podcast because we talked about Bartolo uh, going to Rutgers. <laughs> we'll talk about Rutgers here in a minute. Um, again, they're just on a roll. Um, you know, probably the best game for my money over the past at least three seasons, at least, you know, maybe five seasons, um, that Penn-Yale game, that quarterfinal game, um, amazing ball game, amazing series what that was between those two squads that year. So, uh, Sean Roy heading to Duke. Um, obviously, Duke, they lose an attackman in Michael Sowers. Um, however, Joe Robertson still has a year left after his redshirt year, so Tucker would be a redshirt uh, senior next year, I believe. Um, you got Brennan O'Neill coming back after a standout freshman season. And then also you got Nakai Montgomery, uh, Caputo, a bunch of guys at that midfield coming back as well. Um, Montgomery's coming back for the fifth season. I think there's some other guys coming back for the fifth season as well. Um, there for the Blue Devils. Uh, obviously, with everyone still outside of the freshmen, still getting that extra year of eligibility from the uh, shortened 2020 season. So, um, Lolly, a, a very, very solid addition uh, to a Duke offense that's already pretty deep. Um, you know, the one thing that, you know, um, someone brought up to me today after that news kind of broke, and um, and this is something that I was you know, kind of my mind went to immediately as well when I saw it. Um, when I got the news that he was going to Duke, how are they going to use him? Because he's and look, they we can debate all day long. Did they use Michael Sowers wrong? Was it just too much of a saturated offense talent wise that Sowers couldn't do his thing? And look, they had a different freaking lineup every single week. It seemed like there was no consistency there. Um, whatsoever, and you really saw that come to light late in the season, especially that semifinal game. You saw that come to light um, against Maryland, where you know got blown out there um, in that semifinal game. And Sabres was, I mean, is a great player. Obviously, don't get me wrong. Uh, speed of recovery to him, by the way. Took that hit in Week One. Uh, during the PLL season, um, concussion protocol. Um, well, I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think he just kind of, you know, came in late. But obviously, we said he got a fine for that one. Uh, but speed of recovery to uh, Michael Sowers for that. If y'all haven't seen the hit, just Google Michael Sowers um, on Twitter, uh, YouTube, whatever. It should probably pop up. Um, Michael Sowers hit probably. But you want to. Google, search, whatever you do. Um, but with Sowers, you know, this Duke offense didn't reach that full potential. I think there was like little glimpses and they had games where you saw that offense really do what everyone thought they could do. 
know, you give it to him behind the cage, but you also saw a lot of him put a lot of sours above the cage as well. Um, which, and he's a very good player above the cage also. Like, I think a lot of people just have this image of their mind of him as like the, you know, prototypical ex-attackman. And, and he is in many respects, but he also has that versatility to go above the cage, which is something that uh, Lowy also can do. Lowy's certainly not that kind of traditional ex-attackman that you think of Michael Sowers, but um, he's a very balanced um, you know, offensive player in terms of, of goals and assists. I think that's perfect for what this Duke offense needs. Um, and when you look at guys like Brennan O'Neill, Dyson Williams, uh, Nakai Montgomery, these are all guys that can get it done different ways. I think just adding Lowy to that to that uh, makes this offense even better, obviously, and deeper. But exactly how they're going to use him um, is so, so, something I'm certainly interested in. You know, I, I would be interested in seeing do they move Dyson Williams back to attack because um, he played midfield for the majority of this year, had some stints at attack, uh, some games, but played majority midfield this year after being um, the top attackman in 2020. Um, and then, you know, push Lowy to the midfield, which is actually where he started his career at Penn. Um, got 10 starts on the first midfield um, during his freshman season uh, with the Quakers back in 2018. So, um, oh, 2017 was it? Twenty. Okay, 2018. I'm right. I'm right. I'm not good at math, folks. If you didn't know. Um, so Wally moving him back to the midfield maybe um, is an option, but certainly a very diverse player uh, with diverse skill set, um, very balanced as I mentioned. So you know, always liked his game. Had that breakout season in 2020, um, 2020 uh, 2019, and then elevated that in 2020. So um, we'll see how things turn out with uh, Wally and the Blue Devils. In 2022, should be as dangerous as ever. Just got to put all the pieces together. Now, Rutgers. What is going on in New Brunswick, New Jersey? There's a lot going on there, actually. Had a historic season in 2021. Make the NCAA quarterfinals. For the first time since 1990, break the what 16-year NCAA tournament drought, and do it with a lot of guys, fifth-year guys, Adam Shalombidis, Kieran Mullins, but also Pelly Glad transfers, Connor Coast, Colin Coast, and Goal, Jonathan uh, Dujano. As a face-off dot, wasn't a grad transfer, but was a transfer. Had ups and downs, but was an upgrade from what uh, the Scarlet Knights had had. So got a lot of you know contribution from transfers last season. Mostly grad transfers, though, with uh, Coast, uh, the Coast boys, and uh, you know, is some rumblings that maybe they're looking to try to get 
Colin Coast back for another season because I believe he did redshirt one year there at um, Lehigh. So, uh, you know, does he have another year left? Uh, I think Brian Black and his staff appear to be exploring that. Um, So we could see uh, Colin Coast back in the cage next season. And, uh, you know, with him, you will see uh, Toby Bergdorf. So, um, and, and like the Coast thing, that's not official yet if he's coming back or not. But from what I've heard, they're maybe looking into getting a waiver um, to see if he can come back. Um, but I, I don't know 100% if he is or isn't at the moment. Um, but Toby Bergdorf coming to uh, to Rutgers as a grad transfer from Providence. Um, you know, one of my favorite players the past couple seasons, um, you know, spends the final two seasons of his career at Providence, which is just a defensive, you know, juggernaut, defensive factory, if you will. Um, I mean, you go from Tate Boyce, and then you, you look and you say, okay, who's going to replace that? Toby Bergdorf steps in, and he, I mean, he was lights out from his first year as a starter in 2020. Um, had a very solid season there. Had a very solid season in 2021. So, you know, and all Big East, you know, honors this season. Um, you know, really, really good, good pickup there for Rutgers, especially if the Coast situation ends up he, he's not coming back. Even a better pickup. And then also, defensively, you get uh, Brad Apker um, out of Salisbury. Mentioned last week, uh, Ronan Jacoby, who's a Wesleyan guy, D3 guy. Um, and then you also get D3 defenseman uh, Apker out of Salisbury. So, um, and, and look, Rutgers, they lose get bullet. Um, I think they might have a couple, you know, possibly some guys coming back for the fifth season on the defensive end, but not 100% on that yet, um, other than Coast. Um, but, you know, even without – and that's the thing about right now. It's like rosters are not 100% set. Your teams are pursuing waivers for guys. Still working with the portal. Um, so, you know – Good, decent pickup there for the Scarlet Knights and, uh, you know, to bolster that defense, which was very much improved last season um, and does return some good pieces there. Uh, Raw and Russo, uh, you know, the top two poles that we know of are 100% returning. All right, so moving on here. Um, I know I had mentioned on... Uh, when was that? Thursday, last Thursday. That today would be a mailbag. Obviously, that's pushed back to this Thursday due to the uh, news that we've had already early this week. Uh, but did want to put in two questions of the uh, about 15 that we received um, into today's show. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of questions similar to this, um, kind of a 
what does the Ivy League look like next year, um, and who has the upper hand. So, to answer the first question, what does the Ivy League look like, that's going to be something that we're going to have to see um, in the fall and see in spring. I mean, because, like, you have to understand, like, these guys, you know, I think there was some teams that maybe got a partial fall in or whatever, um, and some guys have been able to, um, you know, practice together, like, off campus and things like that. But these guys haven't played competitive lacrosse, um, haven't played college lacrosse, and it'll be, what, 22 months by the time February hits? That's a, that's a long time off. So, you know, we'll see how the Ivy League, how those teams look. Also, what's the roster is going to look like? You know, I know Harvard isn't bringing in anybody back, I don't believe, um, unless they had some guys that um, withdrew. Um, I think they had a couple. Um, Princeton had guys withdraw. Yale had guys withdraw. Um, and Yale, I think, is probably going to be the most lucky because I think they had the most amount, uh, the, the largest amount of players withdraw um, this past season to get, this past year, to get that extra year of eligibility back. Um, to, or not to get it back, to preserve that year of eligibility, I should say. Um, so I think Yale is, is probably in the best position. And, um, you know, Andy Shea, his staff, and they've built a culture there that just seems to kind of persist <laughs> throughout. Um, not, I, I don't think of the teams in the Ivy, I think they're probably the team that I look to the most um, as far as who can be successful. Uh, Cornell obviously had a good team in 2020. Princeton had a good team. What do those rosters look like? Also with Cornell, you have a new head coach. You have Connor Busick there. Um, you know, so how does that work out? Um, you know, I think I mentioned on uh, was it last podcast or two times ago that was kind of surprised that, that they went ahead and said, Connor, you are head coach. Um, I've coached a college across game in his life, uh, head coach-wise. I've been an assistant there, but an, al- an alum there. Um but Cornell seems to promote from within for the most part. So uh, they have the past couple times. Um, and, you know, promoting uh, interim worked out in 2018, for, uh, worked out with Milliman. Um, who's not to say it can't work out with Busick, but uh, what this season will, will look like for them is going to be interesting. Um, I know there's some rumblings about where Jonathan Donville is going. Um, for his fifth year, so it doesn't look like he'll be back. Um, no, but still have some some solid, you know, younger pieces um, there. Uh, so we'll see how things shape out in Ithaca, as well as other places. You know, Yuka Harvard, Jerry Bone and his staff, they just had one. I mean, that was their first season in 2020, so what do things look like for them? Um you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see how the Ivy League turns out. Um, and again, beyond the roster part, beyond the chemistry part, it's just the, like, what kind of shape are you in? Like, are you in really in lacrosse shape? 
And after being off for 22 months, um, obviously these guys aren't just sitting around, but um, you know, not being able to play college class for 22 months, it, you know, we might see the Ivies start a bit slower than usual um, in 2022. This next question pertains to recruiting. Pull this up here. Okay. Pull this recruit this commitment list up here real quick. Um, so, question, you know, ask, you know, back in, I think it was December, January, I had mentioned how this summer was going to be pretty big recruiting-wise because you had guys that weren't able to get on campus, weren't able to take visits. You know, are we going to see flips? Are we going to see decommitments um, go wild? Is the transfer portal in December of this year, summer of 2022, going to go wild for similar reasons? Um, you know, is the portal going to go wild this summer? It already has. Um, with younger players. So... You know, th- this question basically asks, what has, you know, how much movement have we seen yet? So we haven't seen a ton of movement yet. And, and mind you, it's only been, by the time you're listening to this, the dead period has only been lifted for 15 days. So there's certainly still a lot of time for a lot of these teams uh, to really size up these prospects um, in person, meet these guys in person. Um, and 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 sim and you no know, similarly for um, the recruits to go see these campuses, go meet these coaches, um, and yeah, we've seen some movement already. Um, over the weekend, we had uh, Michigan and Ohio State both uh, grabbed commitments. Now uh, Mason Whitley uh, is a, a guy out of Fairfield College Prep. Uh, he's actually doing a uh, glad you at Taft next year. Um, he committed to uh, Michigan on Saturday, and then on Monday evening or Monday, I was like early Monday afternoon. Uh, Griffin Liddell, a really good defenseman out of uh, Hudson High School in Ohio, uh, committed to the Buckeyes. Uh, he was on campus this weekend. I know Ohio State hosted. Um, Ohio State hosted a bunch of guys. Um, most of their 2022 uh, commitments were out there this weekend, uh, at least that I saw in pictures. Um, Liddell was there also uh, with a lot of those guys. Um, so, you know, they pick up a commitment in him. Uh, he was an All-American guy uh, out of high school, uh, out of Ohio this year. And uh, I think it was the Ohio defensive player of the year, so a uh, very good pickup there from the home state uh, for the Buckeyes, um, and, and, you know, Buckeyes, Nick Myers, able to host and host a bunch of guys over the weekend, um, saw pictures of them up in the horseshoe and all of that, so, um, you know, got to be good for coaches. I know Ohio State's not the only team that's had kids on campus recently. Uh, there's been a numerous, numerous amount of schools have kids on campus, um, coaches getting back out on the road, uh, you see. So things are starting to heat up, and 
I think, you know, uh, by the end of the summer, we'll have maybe a few decommitments. Again, like, lacrosse is not like football where you're going to see, you know, guys just, you know, it, it, it's not so much of a selling game um, from player to coach or, you know, vice versa as it is in, in, in football or basketball. Um, marketing game is what I probably should better term, but y'all know what I mean. Um, it's not so much of that in lacrosse as it is in football um, and basketball, but uh, still, um, you know, we're going to see. So we're not going to see, like, just massive exodus of guys decommitting and flipping. Um, but, you know, we'll probably see some movement. Uh, I mean, we have seen some some movement already um, in this 2022 cycle. Uh, you go to the decommitment list on lacrossebucket.com. Uh, you know, Owen Guest was the last guy to flip in this class, flipping from Army to Harvard, uh, that was in late May, and then in late March, we had Tyler uh, Kolak flip from Air Force to Robert Morris, and then Chuck Kakuchi, uh, Haverford goalie, um, flipped from Lehigh to Penn uh, there. So, have had three, one, two, yeah, three guys flip. In the past couple of months, um, obviously in December, you know, Notre Dame picked up a couple flips. Um, Johns Hopkins picked up a flip from Cornell um, in January. So uh, we've had some movement already, uh, but you know, not a ton of commi- uh, not a ton of movement yet uh should be picking up here very very soon as always thank y'all for listening and tuning in uh we'll be back on thursday with a full-blown mailbag podcast um so submit your questions in there i have 13 still here but uh no i'm gonna try to answer as many as i can obviously not gonna do all 13 but uh we'll try to make you know, get in as many as I can. Uh, so thank y'all for, thank all y'all who sent those in. Y'all can certainly still send them in if you will, uh, if you want to, uh, at Lacrosse Bucket on Instagram and Twitter, my personal Twitter, at Tanner underscore Dimling. The website is lacrossebucket.com. Have a great rest of the week.